SCP-3785, Jasper's Hill. The slasher film is a staple of horror cinema. The idea of a crazed murderer going around and picking off innocent victims in gruesome ways has been a simple and effective mainstay of horror movies, and although the subgenre isn't as popular as it once was, it will always have a place in the horror world. Slasher villains don't have much of a place in the SCP universe, however, a world more interested in the unique and the abnormal than something as basic as a murderer. Enter SCP-3785, an anomaly that is set up in many ways like a typical slasher film, but it harbors a wonderful SCP twist. SCP-3785 is an extra-dimensional space located in Georgia, accessible only by a specific dirt road leading off of Georgia Highway 166. Anyone who strays off of this dirt road and attempts to return to it will find themselves unable to do so. The road and extra-dimensional space can also not be accessed by air. After walking along the road for around 2 kilometers, it exits out into SCP-3785, a space roughly 90 meters wide and indeterminately long. The area is bordered by a thick forest containing a number of supports for high-voltage power lines. The space itself is largely made up of hills and valleys, which begin to increase dramatically in size and complexity the deeper one goes into the area. This makes exploration increasingly difficult, and so far no exploratory team has reached the north end of the space, if indeed it even exists. It is perpetually nighttime within the space, and the temperature is a consistent 22.5 degrees Celsius, or 72.5 degrees Fahrenheit. Crisscrossing the space are numerous dirt tracks, dotted with crude wooden signs bearing the words Jasper's Hill, with arrows pointing north. Jasper is believed to be the driver of a white, later 1980s Chevrolet Blazer on a lifted suspension, seen in the area. Jasper and the vehicle are capable of easily navigating the terrain of the area, and does so to stalk and pursue individuals who become lost in 3785. Jasper's Hill was part of a well-known folktale in the local region, which generally consisted of three children who became lost in the woods surrounding it and entered a dark clearing known as Jasper's Place. The children then became lost in the clearing and are pursued by an unseen individual who eventually finds them and hangs them upside down at the end of the story. The Foundation doesn't generally pay much credence to local folktales, but when a group of 12 young adults disappeared under mysterious circumstances in the same area, Foundation personnel became interested. Three weeks later, one of the 12 was found nearly two kilometers from the entrance to Jasper's Hill, in a state of severe shock. The survivor was a 20-year-old male from a small city in Georgia, who claimed that he was still being pursued by Jasper, and the others had all been hung upside down. While communicating with first responders, the individual panicked at the sight of headlights from passing vehicles and began to scream about Jasper having found him and being unable to hide, forcing the responders to sedate him. Local law enforcement scoured the area, eventually discovering the dirt road and its access to Jasper's Hill, leading the Foundation to come in and control the scene. An MTF was prepped to go in and seek out the other missing individuals. 
Three members of the MTF D-15 country line are sent in, Tedder, Norse, and Jackknife. They start down the dirt road at around 2 o'clock in the afternoon, but it's already dark. As they reach the entrance to the extra-dimensional space, they comment on the eerie quietness of the area, only hearing the wind and an occasional bird. They can see power lines throughout the area, but can't see very far north due to the darkness. There are stars in the sky, but Tedder says that they're pretty dim, and he doesn't recognize any of them. He also wishes that they had brought some vehicles with them. After continuing on for some time, they find a few sets of footprints, potentially from the missing individuals. They also see their first sign reading Jasper's Hill with an arrow on it. They continue moving north, passing more signs as well as what appears to be small campsites and remnants of campfires. Stopping on top of a particularly tall hill, they spot what seems to be a slow-moving car in the distance. Tedder calls into command, informing them of the increasingly drastic terrain as they've been moving north, and telling them about the slow-moving vehicle. As he does so, however, the vehicle stops, then turns, and begins moving towards them. They also note that the sound of the bird has stopped, replaced with a person making some sort of cat noise over and over. Command tells the MTF to head back to base so they can return with vehicles. On their return, Norse spots a cell phone lying near a tree and grabs it. By this point, they've lost sight of the vehicle, and the odd cat noise is gone as well. Tedder suddenly remarks that he can hear another sound, which Jackknife confirms, although neither of them can hear it distinctly, despite saying that it sounds close to them. Norse swears and tells them to look up at something, and the vehicle suddenly reappears, so the team starts running. As they're running, Tedder relays to command that they saw the kids they were looking for, strung up on the power lines, hanging upside down. Command loses connection with the team as they continue to run, and when they regain communications, Tedder informs them that the vehicle collided with Jackknife and sped off into the woods. The driver of the vehicle apparently said something as it drove near them, but they couldn't make out what it was, and they don't think the driver actually saw them. They don't know where Jackknife is currently, and Tedder says that the missing individuals are likely not recoverable. Tedder wants to go looking for Jackknife, but Command orders them to continue on to the extraction point, as they'll send in another team to recover Jackknife. The second team also consists of three individuals, who are waiting on standby in case anything went wrong. They enter the clearing, and begin moving towards Jackknife's locator. One of them calls out to him, and Command receives muffled sounds from Jackknife's radio. They continue on for a few minutes before topping a large hill, at which point they see numerous figures strung up on ropes to some power lines, hanging upside down. The majority of the figures are unmoving, but one is struggling violently, and the vehicle is seen underneath them. One of the team volunteers to lead the vehicle away, while the other two climb the power line support to retrieve Jackknife. Once he moves away a certain distance, he lights a flare and calls out to the driver, at which point the sound of distorted laughter and a high-pitched screeching is heard, as the vehicle quickly begins moving towards him. The other two then move towards the support and begin scaling it. 
The camera footage from them shows a bit more of the area, with this clearing being what seems to be the only opening in a world covered in dark forests. The sky above them appears to shimmer somewhat, and further north, the ground looks like it loops and twists in on itself in ways that do not conform with standard geometry. Eventually, they reach the top of the tower and begin to move across the wires towards Jackknife. Reaching him, one of them starts to cut away at the ropes that are binding him, while the sound of an engine revving can be heard in the trees below, followed by a small explosion from a grenade. Suddenly, there is a low rumbling sound with no apparent source, along with the power lines shaking. Once it ceases, the agent continues cutting the ropes, but once Jackknife is free and starts to reach towards the agent, he instead begins to fall upwards. The agents try to throw out a rope for him to grab, but they miss, and he continues to move into the sky as the low rumbling sound is heard again, mixed with more distorted laughter from below them. Jackknife curses and desperately calls out for help as the distorted laughter grows louder until it's cut off by a shrill, piercing sound, vaguely feline in nature. The low rumbling sounds begin to pulse. Looking up at Jackknife, the dim stars in the sky begin to change, growing slightly brighter and twisting in on themselves, revealing many thousands or hundreds of thousands of large, vaguely octopoid eyes stretching from horizon to horizon. Jackknife's body turns to face the sky, and he mentions that something is everywhere before his body distends dramatically. The eyes hovering in the sky then glow a dark red as Jackknife's body comes apart completely, with the viscera continuing to float upwards. At this point, the low rumbling sound and the distorted laughter ceases. The team reconvenes and exits the clearing, with further manned exploration restricted for the time being. Finally, we have a series of files from the cell phone that the MTF found, which belonged to one of the missing youths, Danielle Hudson. A video shows three women and two men riding in a vehicle down the dirt road leading to 3785. Another video then shows a small group of people standing around a fire, with headlights visible in the distance. A text message was attempted to be sent to a contact asking for a tow, along with a phone call that didn't go through. Another video shows the group of missing people standing around, looking either concerned or angry, with one of them asking if anyone got the license plate number. One of the males is standing in front of a truck, inspecting some damage. The white vehicle passes slowly by the group, with a dark figure driving it and staring at the group. One of the group curses at the figure and throws a bottle at the vehicle as it disappears into the woods. Some pictures are taken of the damaged truck, followed by a single image of the top of a hill with a power line support visible. Afterwards, seven calls to 911 were attempted from the phone, along with ten calls to the individual's mother, none of which went through. A short video shows a male from the group pulling out a firearm and shooting at something off-camera, but he is suddenly struck by the white vehicle and both disappear off-camera as a woman screams. The camera pans to try and locate the man and the vehicle, but neither can be found. Additionally, some sort of strange, retching sound is heard. 
The following video shows a pair of headlights in the distance as a man is heard screaming incoherently. A loud engine revving sound is heard and the man goes quiet as the camera pans to show a fire burning on top of another hill. Fifteen more calls to 911 are attempted, along with a number of text messages to various contacts, consisting of variations of send help or call 911. Another video shows a woman whimpering in the foreground as an engine idling can be heard in the background. The lens is covered by something, but a severely distorted and incoherent male voice can be heard nearby. The voice then laughs, and the strange retching sound is heard again. The phone attempted a call to an unknown number, possibly a misdial or pocket dial, and then a picture was taken of a single pair of headlights at a close distance. Then the largest video on file was recorded, at around 23 minutes in length. The camera light turns on, showing the phone close to the ground, and as it pans upwards, the person recording the video is briefly visible, but cannot be made out. The holder moves slowly down a dirt trail before emerging back into the clearing. The camera shows a severely distorted landscape lit only by moonlight, appearing to be a canyon of impossible geological features. The holder moves along the top of a very steep canyon wall, looking down into it. The bottom of the canyon isn't visible, but several indistinct lights can be seen slowly moving around in the darkness. Suddenly, a loud engine revving sound is heard, and the camera jerks to show an impossibly large hill in the distance. The hill appears to be larger than the entirety of the clearing, but is also somehow entirely visible in the camera view. On top of this hill is a single pair of headlights, sitting motionless, while a fire burns nearby. Down the hill, a single humanoid figure is seen slowly dragging two other figures towards a series of nooses. The figure positions the two into the nooses by their necks, and the engine revs again. The headlights at the top of the hill begin to back away, as the two prone figures start to slowly rise into the air. As they rise, their bodies turn so that they are seen hanging up instead of down, as if gravity was reversed. The forms can be seen writhing and struggling as the headlights back entirely out of view. The two individuals rise until they are above the power lines, and the camera pans to show hundreds of similar figures hanging upside down in the sky. A male voice can be heard from across the distance, heavily distorted but clearly laughing and speaking rapidly and incoherently. The camera pans back down towards the humanoid figure on the hill, who is now looking upwards. There is a low, rumbling noise, and something seems to happen in the sky, just off screen. Suddenly, the figure jerks and looks directly towards the camera, causing the holder to pull away quickly and turn off the camera light. For the following 15 minutes, only the short, heavy breaths of the camera person can be heard, along with the low, pulsing sound and the intermittent screaming of the humanoid figure. The final file is a picture of a male figure, illuminated only by a dim light off-camera. This picture was taken several days after all of the other files. So, there's definitely a lot of tropes at work here, at least to start. We have a creepy backwoods area, a group of youths that head out there to party, and a mysterious, antagonistic figure that starts picking them off one by one. 
Things take a sharp turn into cosmic horror, though, as it seems that the driver of the vehicle is there to grab anyone who comes in and offer them up as sacrifices to some sort of octopus god in the sky. For some, the idea of a crazed murderer slaughtering teens in the woods is frightening enough, but this is SCP, so things have to be amped up a bit. We're really given no answers whatsoever for how this anomaly came to be, who the driver is, who the deity is, and what is happening, but I think it should stay that way. Slasher villains are scary, but cosmic horrors will always be scarier.